hello, hello. Welcome back to this week's episode of Make Climate Cool Again. I'm your host, Sarah Miltenberger. I own my own sustainability consulting business where I work with a lot of different clients on how they can make a positive impact on the planet. And this podcast is about sharing stories of businesses that are kind of already doing all the things to uh, to make a difference and giving them a platform to share what they're doing, educate people, and to create a community. So I know it's been a hot minute. I think the last episode was two weeks ago because life is crazy. Life has been busy trying to keep up with everything. Um, part of it has just been a couple things. I think we should do a little bit of a a podcast update, business update, and then we'll get into the interview, which I'm so excited for, guys. Like, probably an ideal interviewee, for sure. Um, Life update. So I don't know if you guys are on Clubhouse or anything, but Clubhouse has been awesome. That was, I think that was one of my last few episodes was about Clubhouse, and it's been so busy. I mean, it's essentially live podcasting. I'm hosting two to three to four events per week, if you're interested in joining some of those events, so we have Thursdays, I'm running a series with a woman called How to Be a Sustainability Consultant, and that's just for people that are interested in learning more about the industry. Maybe they want to be a consultant of some kind, starting a business, all those things. That is Thursdays. Uh, the times vary. And then Fridays, I'm running a series with Emily Padan from Hinterco which if you have been listening to this podcast for a while, we did an early episode with her um, with her business, which is amazing. You should go check it out, Hinter House. And we're, the topic is making sustainability sexy, and it's at 12 p.m. Eastern on Fridays. So if you want to get involved, join the conversation, ask questions, or host an event with me, feel free to also DM me as well. Uh, that being said... Because Clubhouse has been so busy, I've gotten more clients. It, it's kind of like crazy over here. You know, Earth Month is coming, so everyone kind of wants something. And life, and we got these two kittens. So that's been really exciting. Uh, I will have to do an episode on sustainable pet ownership, which is like virtually impossible, which is crazy because I think pet ownership has – I think there's like a crazy number that it's grown like 800% or something. So there's a huge market of opportunity for sustainability there. But just the amount of cat food we go through and how like all of a sudden our recycling is out of control. So yeah, they've been a great addition to the fam. And because of that, I am actually, you guys are the first to hear, but I am hiring someone. So I know, crazy, crazy, crazy. But I wanted to tell you first because you guys are listeners, you believe in this business, you are invested. So I wanted to tell you I'm hiring someone part-time. It's going to be some social work, social media work, I should say. There's going to be some research involved, actually. This is going to be uh, a lot more around uh, small businesses, a little bit around uh, consumerism and consumer trends. So if that's something you're interested in, and you want like a side job or a hustle, let me know. Uh, email me your resume and a project or something that you've created that you're really proud of. And you can email that at sarah at makeclimatecool.com and uh, I'll review it. I'm going to close applications on March 31st. So uh, definitely, if that's something you're interested in, you know, send in your resume. So uh, lastly, I think the last few weeks, there's just been a lot going on in the podcast. It's grown so much. I've been like watching the analytics. I don't know if it's because of Clubhouse or just everyone's itching for content, but, uh, I have just been really excited to engage with you guys. And when you message me about something you've bought or something you've experienced or even just feedback and ideas, I love it. And I encourage you to keep it coming. Like this podcast is for you. So the more engaged you are and the more comments you have, like I'm happy to make adjustments and, you know, give you what you want to hear. So keep sharing, keep getting people involved. That's how we're going to grow the podcast. That's how we're going to get more guests. 
that you guys want to hear from. And if you have, hey, recommendations for people you want on the podcast, send them my way. I'll uh, I'll do the legwork to get them on. Um, that being said, I'm obviously so grateful for you guys supporting the podcast. I have to thank my sponsor, um, Blue Earth Compost. <laughs> guys, I mean, I don't know how many times I'll, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Uh, pun intended. Blue Earth Compost has made composting so easy, I don't even think about it. I was literally sitting here. I brought out my compost little bin thing earlier this morning. It was sitting outside. I saw the little truck come, pick it up, give me a new bin. Then they send me, they also send me like a little email reminding me they're coming today and when they've picked it up so I know that it's done. It's awesome. I really, truly just don't even think about it anymore. It's part of our routine. And I just think it's super, super helpful for people that maybe want to try something new. So if you are in the Connecticut area, there is a discount when you sign up for a six-month contract. Use the code MAKECLIMATECOOL and um, definitely start composting because it's a great habit. It makes you feel really good and cuts down on your overall impact on the planet by quite a bit. Food waste is like the number one thing that we generate all the time. So um, check it out. And without further ado, I'm really excited to introduce Priya. She works for Bye Bye Plastic, which is a nonprofit actually. And they just, they're really all about eliminating waste at music festivals. And we met on Clubhouse and I just loved her story. I've gotten a chance to connect with her a little bit more. She also was like the queen of sound bites, like so many great quotes, really interesting story. Uh, an industry I just like didn't even think of, right? But that's the beauty of sustainability. There, it can literally be in any industry that we can even imagine because there's so much waste out in the world. There's a million solutions. And I just think you're really gonna enjoy this interview. And she also definitely has the mindset of someone that is ideal for this podcast for sure. So hope you enjoy it. I will talk to you guys in a week and share, share, share and stay golden. So I'm really excited that uh, one of my new connections from Clubhouse has joined me today. I was in a room with her talking about the plastics industry, and I learned so much that I knew we just had to connect. So I'm excited to bring Priya Chindale from Bye Bye Plastic onto the podcast. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited that we could um, extend our conversation from Clubhouse here. And I think what's interesting, you know, Bye Bye Plastic, obviously this entire podcast is about making climate cool again, making positive change. And, you know, you, your background is in the music industry. I feel like we just need to like say that. And Bye Bye Plastic is sort of transforming the festival industry to removing single use plastics from events. And how did you, you know, I know you've worked in the industry for a long time, Maybe just give your kind of background on like, what were you doing in the music industry? How did you find Bye Bye Plastic? Because you've been with the business since June, 2020. And yeah. just would love to learn more about you. So I uh, actually got into music when I was in college. And then my first job in music was working for SFX Entertainment. And I had moved to Miami. And for a while, I actually switched over to corporate events. Um, but even being an event producer, like you're really cognizant of just how much waste is being produced for events that are lasting, whether it's a few hours or a day or maybe the span of a weekend. And you're just like, this is wild that so much creativity goes into producing these things, but what happens with everything afterwards? So after some time off, I wanted to get back into the music industry, but there was a part of myself, you know, me being on my own healing journey, where I really also wanted to connect with earth and sustainability. And when I came across Bye Bye Plastic, it was the perfect combination of two of my passions. So that's, 
I think what's cool about also just music events is that it's so experiential and we don't, and there's, like you said, there's so much detail going into how people are experiencing that day or that event. And no one has even really considered the thought of like how much waste comes from these events. And I think when we talked, you were like, you know, when people leave, you just, this massive space of just plastic cups, trash, like kind of rolling in the wind. And people were just like, that's, that's just how it is. You know, we're just going to have to have a cleanup team come in. That's just an automatic cost, but you know, no one really decided to fix that from the beginning. And I am like a really big fan of Burning Man. I have been trying to go to Burning Man for years. <laughs> I almost got to go and then I had like a work thing come up. And so is that kind of how Bye Bye Plastic was that? Was that, was that the inspiration in terms of like a zero waste kind of event? Or tell me a little bit more about like, how did Bye Bye Plastic kind of come to be? Yeah, um, that could have some possibly some influence, but um, really the story is, uh, so Bye Bye Plastic was co-founded by uh, Vivian Bagos, also known as Blondish. She's a DJ and producer. And her story is that she was playing at Warung Beach Club in Brazil. And it's one of the most, one of like, it was a really well-known venue in the world. And when she was playing and the sun was rising, she could just see like a sea of trash amassed with all of the people that were there. And that was kind of her like aha moment of like, you know, what are we really doing um, to the earth? Like we're having fun, but like, what is it costing the planet? So uh, she's also a burner. So I mean, Burning Man and that like theology of like no trace left behind could have also had an impact. But yeah, from there it spiraled and she connected with our other co-founder, Cami, and who's had some training in sustainability. And from there, uh, Bye Bye Plastic was born. So what are, I think that's awesome. And I, I did not know she was a burner, but makes sense. Um, and I do think that, you know, I mean, Burning Man kind of comes across as like there's a specific type of person that does that. And I think it's similar branding with sustainability, right? Like, oh, you know, zero waste is only for tree huggers and like, you know, recycling is only for people that are like one specific way or like vegans are in this box over here. And I think what is cool about more and more businesses coming up with these creative solutions is it's about every kind of person and like finding solutions that fit in with different kinds of lifestyles. So that being said, that's overwhelming, right? And as a business, you're like, okay, how do I go green? There's like a list a mile long, but with Bye Bye Plastic, it's like a very specific focus. So what are some of the programs that Bye Bye Plastic has kind of put into place and what would be like the ideal event for Bye Bye Plastic? Yeah. Um, so like you said, like we're very niche. We focus on reducing single use plastics specifically in the music industry. And the way that we do that is um, from kind of like a top down approach. We started with the artists uh, because they have a lot of influence in the space. So we have an initiative called the Eco Writer. And the Eco Writer is a little addendum that they can add to their existing hospitality writer, which requests um, venues, shows, festivals that they're playing to uh, reduce or not use single-use plastic water bottles, cups, straws when they're fulfilling their writer. So we hope that this will eliminate, um, you know, just plastic that's in the green room, plastic that's on the DJ booth uh that's like being shown in all of like the cameras and stuff so it's removing that from like the culture because when things are just there like visibly and you can see them it becomes so part of nature because you it becomes normal to you you know like you were mentioning with trash everyone i i can imagine that anyone who's gone to a concert and has stayed until the end has a story about how when they were leaving, they were walking through mounds of trash. It's the same thing with like sporting events. And because it happens so often, it has become so normalized that we're not actually questioning 
how that practice even came to begin with, you know, like, why are we okay with throwing our trash on the ground instead of actually taking responsibility for disposing of it and disposing of it in a proper way, in a responsible way. So I think starting with the eco writer, it really puts that sense of responsibility, like coming from the artist requesting to the venues or whoever's producing the show where it's like, okay, let's have a conversation about this because this is something that you should be uh, considering in your production of any event, not just, not just music festivals. Oh, there's so much I want to like dive into here. And one being the first being like the power of the writer. Like, I think a lot of people don't really know, like they have an idea of like, oh, Beyonce is writer. Like she requests something crazy, like a dozen roses and like every rumor. I don't even, I'm making this up, but you know, what is the power of this writer in the sense of how it used and how it, why is it like a really unique way of pushing sustainability without, I think, how is it not come across as like high maintenance? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think vegans are kind of seen as like, oh, there's so, there's so many demands and how is sort of the writer being used as sort of like a positive way to um, sort of make requests, I would say. Right. Uh, that's a really good question because like you said, like a writer uh, is kind of seen as like a demand or like, this is what I need or what I want for me to perform at my best or be comfortable when I'm on tour or traveling. But the power in it is that the power really lays with the artist because it it's on the venue or, or the festival to provide that. So, you know, are you gonna tell, who are you to tell Beyonce that she can't have roses in her green room, right? Like it's something that you have to fulfill. So, um, on one side, you could say that like, oh, that's really demanding. Like that's, you could be like, that's wasteful. Why are you, why do you need this? Or you're just having it for a night. And there is so much waste when you look at artists, writers, because they're there for like, you know, an hour after the show. And then 90% of the stuff is sometimes just left there. But I think if a DJ is actually making a request for something that is not wasteful, is actually beneficial for the planet. It's not really seen as a demand. It's actually just seen as a, uh, like a conversation starter. Like, hey, let's be more conscious about the choices that we're making to produce this event. You know, like I'm not asking for uh, golden champagne bottles or something. I'm just asking you a simple request, like don't use like red plastic solo cups. So. I don't think it's really perceived in any way that this is a demand because that kind of has like a negative connotation towards it. Whereas this is more of like a positive impact. It's like, let's have a productive conversation and see how we can make a change in our industry because it's very much needed. That's so fascinating because it almost makes me think like, I wish all of us had some kind of writer, like obviously you know, most of us aren't performing in front of like 50,000 people or, or even like a million people, but we all kind of have our own like expectations and things that we want. And we get to pick and choose that by who we associate, what we buy every day. Like we can create our own writers for ourselves in terms of how we want to live. And I think that's really powerful. And I think like, I mean, I'm not, I think that what you're doing can just be you know, used in so many different avenues, you know, is Bye Bye Plastic going to kind of stay in the music industry? Or, you know, I see like tailgating as like a, another huge, like wasteful, like college tailgating is a huge wasteful, uh, fun, but wasteful type of similar kind of activity and event that, you know, is there a lot of room for growth in that direction or is Bye Bye Plastic kind of strictly staying to music because? I wouldn't necessarily say that it's easier because even with the music industry, like I, I discussed the eco writer for artists, but we're also launching an eco writer for venues. 
Uh, we do a lot of partnerships and consulting with venues as well as festivals. So <clears throat> like I mentioned, the top-down approach, like it doesn't, it, it might start with the artist, but it doesn't stop there. Like the music industry is so vast because you have, like I mentioned, the venues, the festivals, the award shows, um, how are people touring just their regular lifestyle and then the genres. So imagine like we are kind of like more in the electronic dance scene, specifically like techno and house and growing. Um, how do we get from there to possibly maybe country artists or, you know, rap and R&B and, you know, that is such a, a pipe dream. So I think for now music is it because, you know, it's really not easy. It's not as easy as we would want it to be, um, but we're, we're tackling it. Do you think like the cultures of each kind of music plays a part in people being interested in it? Like I would say, you know, EDM, I feel like is a very like progressive, like certain type of person can get, gets really into it. I'm also making huge stereotypes by saying that, but you know, you know, but then again, like music is supposed to be for everyone, but there are people that like hate country and like love EDM. Although there's people that love country and like hate EDM. So are, are there specific like cultural silos within music that kind of make the EDM industry more likely to be successful in this versus pop or um, rock or even? Yeah, another great question. And I don't really think I have the answer for that because um, yeah, like not to be generalized, I don't, I don't want to say that one niche is more inclined because then you really have to get into like socioeconomics and stuff like that and availability and cost. And that's just a lot of data that I'm not equipped to answer. But I think the one thing that we can think of where there is a similarity is these are mass events that have a lot of social and environmental impact. They have people like artists who have the influence and you're reaching to an audience of really humans on a base level. We're all humans. We all inhabit this planet. We maybe, maybe some areas are more predisposed to actually seeing the impact of plastic pollution. Like if you're, if you're a coastal dweller and you go to the beach and you're getting whacked in the face with plastic, it's, it's very much more in your face. But I think as people are slowly like understanding that, you know, once these plastics go into the ocean, your fish are eating it. And then that fish is being shipped mainland. You're also going to have a negative effect in your body because of it. So I think that's one thing to focus on where it's like, it, it's a, it's a human issue. It's a people issue. And hopefully despite what your pref like preferred choice of music is, um, you'll kind of remove that and be like, okay, I should care about this because it does affect me. I, I, I totally see that. And, and I think like you're a hundred percent right that it is a human issue. Maybe it's probably, I was only thinking, cause I was like, well, maybe for some venues might be easier to convince versus others based on like types of people. But I think at the end of the day, like we have to make it for everybody and that's how we're going to make sustainability successful so for people that are kind of like maybe they have their own eco idea or they want to kind of talk to businesses about finding solutions what does like pitching to a venue look like for you guys like how do you get these festivals to kind of jump on board and see your vision yeah so I have kind of started working with some uh, festival partners and really uh, the way I've kind of targeted it is seeing that um, certain lineups, because usually they do it by genre, will have a decent amount or a percentage of their lineup already on board with our eco writer. So those are really the easiest to um, talk to because when they're fulfilling the hospitality writers, they're going to be seeing it over and over and over again. So instead of like fulfilling an eco writer for only 
40 to 50%, why not have a larger conversation and make the whole festival green? Um, same thing with venues. I think when, I mean, obviously during 2020 touring was at a complete halt, but when shows come back, a lot of venues do book artists by like genre. So, you know, there are like techno clubs or house clubs. And if they are bringing enough of our DJs that support the eco writer, it'll be a recurring thing that they're seeing. So again, it's like, why only do a green rider for 40% of your shows in the year and not just change your purchasing process so that every show that you're advancing, you're using less plastic. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that makes sense to me. I mean, and I, now I'm curious though, like, can you share with us, like, who is the biggest artist that you guys have worked with or... Like, do you work directly with artists in terms of like Taylor Swift as an eco writer or something like that? Uh, not Taylor Swift, as I mentioned. I mean, but that would be great. So Taylor, if you're listening to this, let's get you plastic <laughs> free. Um, not yet. Uh, so as I mentioned, we're still kind of in like the house techno scene, trying to branch out into trance. Like one of our co-founders lives in Amsterdam. Amsterdam's a huge dance city, specifically um, in the trance space. So we're just trying to grow from there. We have a list of over 1500 DJs. So as I mentioned, um, Blondish is one of our co-founders. We have uh, Adam Bayer, Ida Engberg, Nicole Madaber, Dubfire, Sam Felt. We uh, recently had uh, Madame Gandhi join us as well. So yeah, some pretty big names in music and growing. Well, also, you know, you guys have really done the work to not just be promoting, you know, green strategies at festivals. You also like have certifications for your own biz, like own organization. Like you have like a list of different certifications that Bye Bye Plastic has kind of gone through that process. So it's not even just about encouraging other businesses to be good. You're also doing the legwork yourself, which I think is really awesome. And I think even how you explain it on the website, is just a really great tool for people. And, you know, what other kinds of consulting programs are you offering to these venues besides just about the festivals? Are you guys talking about different kinds of recycling or how they can do how could, how they can have reusable cups or is that possible? Like what is, what's possible for these events, I guess. Cause a lot of people, you know, one problem that I have in my industry is people literally ask me what's better than paper than plastic. And I rack my brain in the middle of the night. I'm like, is there something that we're not thinking about? You know, like there's gotta be, maybe we can just get away from paper and plastic. Is there like another material we haven't even discovered yet that I can't even wrap my head around because I haven't experienced it? You know what I mean? Right. <clears throat> um, so I'll, I'll, I'll go backwards a little bit. Um, our consulting process is pretty thorough. So not only do we touch on like the basics, like cups and straws and water bottles, but we do go into like waste management. It'll get down to the nitty gritty, like what kind of wristbands are you using? Because wristbands are made from like a plastic material. And when you pull that little tab off, that's also plastic. Um, so we have an, um, we have an alternatives database where based on the location of the venue or the festival, uh, we work with them on sourcing plastic-free alternatives for pretty much everything in the supply chain. Uh, when we talk about reusables, we're actually working with a music production company here in Miami. It's called Soundshuary, and they're switching their system to uh, reusable mugs. So they're like these metal clip mugs. They have like a clip as the handle so they can attach to your purse or your belt or whatever. And um, it's just a much better process. So you buy the mug, there's a deposit system. So you can either give it back at the end of the event or you take it home and then you bring it for every single event that they have, which is like every two weeks. So <clears throat> there's a lot of solutions. It's just really figuring out 
where the venue is or the festival at the stage that they're at and seeing how we can help them. I mean, you had asked earlier, like, what's a dream event? A dream event would be 100% plastic free, but it's a process and we aim for progress, not perfection. Um, so even if we can assess an event or a show and get it down like 20% or 30%, you know, and growing each year, that's still large strides in the right direction than not making an effort at all. So I know exactly the kind of cup you're talking about because I have a client that like makes all that stuff. Like they do all like custom uh, goods for events like that or for um, like beauty companies and stuff. So I'm going to have to connect you guys because I think they would just be a good person for you to know for these festivals to make stuff. But I I love that idea. I love that concept. Um, And again, like, I think getting used to this practice of like reusability borrowing versus having to buy it and re finding like just creative ways to enjoy ourselves like and, and actually like have food and I think what, what we've been doing we've been doing the same thing for so long that it's kind of time like how do we disrupt all of this so I think it's really cool and there's so many different kinds of businesses that are interwoven into this whole thing um because to have that reusable cup then you need to send it off to another business that has actually made it possible to wash all this stuff and send it out and there's just a lot of opportunities so I think it's really cool um but to kind of like move towards the personal, I think you mentioned in the beginning that you were kind of on your own path from healing and like getting into uh, focusing on nature a little bit more, focusing on the earth a little bit more. I'd love to kind of hear a little bit more about that story of, you know, you mentioned sort of the aha moment for Bye Bye Plastic, but what was your, what was your aha moment to kind of get into this space? Yeah, I have one. Um, and it, it's actually kind of um, shocking how long it really took me to go from just noticing to actually switching my mind and being like, hey, I want to work in this. Um, but going to big festivals like Tomorrow World and um, even working in festivals myself, like at the end of the night, you're just, wa- you're literally walking in a crowd of trash. And in 2019, I was uh, at a party for Miami Music Week. And in that particular moment, it was towards the end of the evening. And there was just all of these boxed water is better, which really, they aren't because they're not super recyclable Um, bottles or like boxes all over the floor. And you could not take at the stage I was at, you literally could not take one step without stepping on one of those like, like containers versus stepping on grass. And I was just like, I can't believe that this is happening. Like this is still happening. Yeah. I've definitely talked about box water on the podcast before and you know, it's actually, I, I use them as an example and even activities with students in terms of, because I teach college classes and we go through the evolution of all of why we still use water bottles to this day. And it's the reality is because water bottles meet like all these different needs. Whereas, you know, there's a lot of other options out there. There's obviously reusable um, containers. There's camelbacks if you're hiking there's like so many different things but people just are so trust water bottles so much and box water is like a band-aid solution but that's like that's not fixing the root of the problem which is we don't like things that aren't convenient like we want convenience we don't want to carry anything around we want to just like have things available to us all the time so how do we do that in a way that you know is enjoyable and and I I don't have the answer. I was talking earlier today about like how do we how do we make reusable bags cool? You know, obviously rent the runway is an example. Like they have created a status quo around their garment bags. And 
you know, Bagu and a lot of other companies have their own reusable bags, but it's just not the same. How can we, and it's the same with bringing your own container. How do we make that the cool thing? Yeah. I think, you know, the common theme in all of this is the shift has to go back onto personal responsibility. And like, yes, people like convenience because it's just more comfortable, but, and personal responsibility is usually not comfortable. And I think there's a level of also just self growth and development and like self-consciousness there. It's like people, when they go on a healing journey, it's definitely more comfortable to ignore your problems and keep on going through life. It is more challenging to do the work but you feel much better about it because you applied the effort. And I think the exact same thing or like ideology can be applied to sustainability and using reusables. Like, yes, take the time to get a bag, not because it's cool, but because you're doing the right thing. Take the time or like, yes, carrying a water bottle around is probably like annoying and it like takes up space in your bag and whatever, but it's better than having to go buy a water bottle. And then what are you doing with that water bottle afterwards? Cause you're not taking it home. Where is it going? Are you throwing it on the sidewalk? Are you putting it in the trash? Well, that's not great either because there's not like a recycling bin available for you. So yeah, like I think so much of our culture is based in convenience and we've gotten just too used to it. It's become too normal that we're, we're okay with not taking, you know, take putting the power and the responsibility back in our hands and making the effort to do so. I love that answer. I've also never heard it before, like from someone on the podcast. And I love the way you said it of just like personal responsibility is always going to be challenging. Like you can always take the easy road, but that's just not, that's just not how we should be functioning as responsible citizens of the planet. And I just think that was just really interesting. And I, and I agree with you a hundred percent and, you know, and, and it's about doing the right thing, but, and I, I, I've said that before, but I think it, it took a year like 2020 to get people to want to do the right thing. Because like, if you have no incentive to do the right thing other than it feels good, unless you feel bad a lot, you're not, you don't really need to. And so I think like, and the reason why 2020, I think was a huge turning point year two was everything went wrong for people. People were losing their jobs, you know? people, everyone's sick and in hiding and everyone just feels like crap. So it feels really good to buy something that's eco-friendly because you already need that thing. And you know that it's making a positive impact. Or if you're buying from even a green item from a local business, that's like a triple win because now you're supporting someone in your community. And that emotion, I think has driven more people to change in the last year and a half than anything in the last 20 years. And so I really hope like that this kind of trend continues, but that really requires us to be really in touch with what we care about, what we want to put our money into, what, like, like I said, in the very beginning, like we need to have our own writers of like what's important to us and what do we want to put our money towards and how do we want to live our lives and like what are our values are. And I think we've all had a lot of time in the last year and a half to think about that. So Right. And like to what you said, it's like intrinsic emotion really drives it until you're in a state where you really are just doing it because it's the right thing like that. I will say that's like a very evolved level of thinking. Um, but eventually you get there. And if, if at first you're doing it just because it does make you feel good, then do it because it makes you feel good and don't feel bad about that. You know, like there's the quote that's like, look good, feel good. Well, like do good and feel good as well and keep doing it until that really is just your natural state. Priya, I'm going to make that an Instagram post. I'm going to tag you because I, that's so true. I don't know why I've never thought of that. Like, cause I used to, I remember in college we used to be like, look good, feel good, 
wheel good because I was working in hockey and stuff and or play good like we always like if we feel really good about ourselves we're gonna do really well but also if you do well you're gonna feel good about yourself like it, yeah. it's kind of goes both ways and and you sound like someone you know we're talking a lot about internal um our internal values and internal healing you sound like someone who has really put in a lot of work and something that I preach about on this podcast is something you also said earlier, which was progress, not perfection. We cannot be expected to be perfect in this world. And there's so many demands on all of us. And it's really easy in sustainability to feel like you're not ever good enough. Or if you can't be zero waste, then what's the point? And so I always like to just ask every person on this podcast, because we work in sustainability, we put so much more pressure on ourselves because we work in this industry, we know all the bad things. So when we kind of maybe do a bad thing, we're super hard on ourselves. So yeah. <laughs> the question is, what is there something that you do in your life that makes you kind of feel like a sustainability hypocrite that you just are like, I need this thing or I do this thing, but like, I can't get around it. There's waste in it, but you, you know, you have to rationalize it in some way. Um, yeah, there are a few things definitely. And I, I, I totally feel that like guilt. Um, like for example, like I still have a plastic toothbrush and I'm working on getting a bamboo toothbrush, but I'm like, I'm also not going to throw this toothbrush away just because it's plastic. Like I'm going to wear it out until my teeth need something new. And then I'll move on. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is fashion. Fashion breaks my heart on like, I don't really order clothes a lot because I, um, I've lived a pretty minimalist lifestyle, but just in my own healing journey, I think some of that is about to change as I'm like tapping into my more artistic side. And with that, um, like presentation also matters. So when you're like consuming from an industry that is also just such a detriment to the environment and you order something and it's just, it comes in like triple wrapped in plastic. You're like, oh, what do I do with all of this? Um, but luckily I, I'm an, as I mentioned, I'm an artist, so I can actually use all of the plastic packaging that comes into my home from purchases uh to roll for I'm a henna artist so I can re-roll it um for clones that I make which is what I do so it's not single use at that point and that makes me feel a little bit better about myself so I love that because I also sometimes feel shamed because I have a plastic toothbrush I have like a electric toothbrush that I've had for a while but you gotta still replace all the little brush heads every once in a while. But at the same time, it's like, I have, you know, when you have like a subscription and then they oversend you. So you have like this backup of stuff and you're like, oh, I have to use all of this before I transition. So that's the kind of like period that I'm in now, but I completely agree with you. And I would love for, I'd love to be able to just snap my fingers and change everything. Like that's just not the reality. And, and the fashion too, I, I buy a lot of secondhand, almost everything secondhand now. Um, but sometimes it's hard to find exactly what you want, or I have to get it on Poshmark or Mercari. So when it has to get shipped and then I can't control how that person is shipping the item. Usually it's in less packaging than what I would get through a store and they're reusing stuff. So, but it's still getting on a tr multiple trucks shipping from however God knows where. And and that's just something like, well, at least it's getting shipped. It's only getting shipped one more time. It's not getting like remade and shipped from China, you know? So right. that makes me feel a little bit better, but it's tough. And, uh, but I think the point is to show like, we're all totally not perfect, but we can always find creative ways to kind of just be better. Yeah. And I think like tying back to emotion, it's like, yeah, we'll feel that guilt and shame for a second. And we should acknowledge those feelings for why they're coming up so that it's informing future decision-making for us, but also not staying there and getting stuck there because you can't make change 
Um, I mean, some people can, but it's like, how useful is your change if it's coming from that place? Whereas it's like, acknowledge the feeling for what it is. And then like, switch over and be like, okay, I'm going to take this negative to a positive and do something differently next time or get, you know, get creative. I mean, that's like the perfect note to end on because I mean, there's nothing more powerful than that because we, we do feel that we do feel that guilt. We feel that shame as sustainability people. And it's easy to drown ourselves in that feeling and just like sort of hopelessness. And I don't think that is helpful for anybody. That's not how we're going to solve problems. It's not how we're going to come up with creative solutions. We have to acknowledge that this is the way things are. Note that like we're trying to make it better and kind of continue on the journey. Um, I mean, I can go on and on and on about how I totally disagree with climate crisis marketing, all this like negative sort of damaging marketing that sustainability has used over the last 30, 40 years because it paralyzes people. And we all need to kind of be gentle with ourselves throughout this process because it is a life journey and it's, we're constantly evolving. So I, I love that so much. Thank you for that. Yeah. And just like one last talking point on that specifically is that like, you know, if we're getting so hard on ourselves and we're putting ourselves in guilt and shame, then that's exactly what we're going to project onto other people. And you're not maybe some people, as I mentioned, might change from that place. But if you're really like chastising people and criticizing them for their ability and you're like almost attacking them, how willing are they going to be to receive your message and to change? So I think the more compassionate we are with ourselves and our plastic free journey, the more positive approach we can have with others and be more compassionate to where they are in their journey and understanding that we might be a little bit more evolved than them or further along the process. And if we are compassionate, you know, they'll want to reach out, they'll want, they'll see how we're behaving. They'll want to engage with that energy and they'll want to make a change and we'll find their way to do those steps. And, you know, when we're more compassionate to ourselves and other people, again, it's like how you are with yourself is how you're treating the earth. Like we'll be way more compassionate to the earth and we'll take care of it. Priya, I don't think I could have found like a more perfect person for this podcast because that is literally like everything I feel you just summed it up in like this really beautiful package because thank you. That's like, that's how we're going to get people to kind of get inspired to do something. It's about making it interesting and getting people excited about it and feeling really good about it versus again, like the shame just does not, is not something that is going to be a long-term um, solution for all of this. So I'm just really grateful that you came on the podcast and just shared your story and you've given me so many quotes that I'm like, Oh, I, need to share this because you're, you've really, um, have a beautiful way of speaking. So thank you for that. And if there is a way that people can contact you or even like, is there a volunteer program for Bye Bye Plastic? Like how can people get involved or, or reach out to you? Yeah. So we're actually going to be launching, um, like a, an eco investor program soon. Um, so we have a contact page on our website. It's byebyplastic.life. Uh, if you just fill out the contact form under the eco writer page, it comes to me. So, uh, I'll just, uh, up until we launch, I can reach out to people and give them updates, but yeah, if you want to get involved, uh, reach out through there. Okay. So that's awesome. People can become ambassadors. They can reach out to you. I encourage everyone to get involved. Um, is there any other ways that people can kind of either donate their time or their money to buy by plastic? If they're just like really, uh, impassioned by this business? Yeah. So, uh, we accept donations. Um, again, you can go to byebyplastic.life and there's a donation form there as well. And with time, uh, we are doing, um, global beach cleans. So this summer we're actually launching a new program called clean the beat. So we'll be doing this in different cities and beach areas around the world. So uh, follow us on Instagram at byebyplastic.life and stay tuned. And when we have signups open, you can join. 
Can we collaborate on a beach cleanup? Because I love doing beach cleanups. Like they are so fun. And it was crazy how much waste there was, how many just like bottles of alcohol that were laying on the beach. It was, it was wild. I really think, but it's such a fun time because then you can just hang out at the beach afterwards and you know, you did a good thing in the morning. So I think everyone should definitely do that. Yeah, definitely. Collabing would be great. We're planning um, our launch actually for Clean the Beat in Miami uh, around Earth Day. So fingers crossed with like COVID regulations and stuff, it's an event that can still happen. Um, there's a lot of a lot of trash on one of the causeways here. So that's the location that we're scouting. Um, it's incredible. Like you, just driving up from the highway, you can see the trash just littered for miles on the beach, on the grass. So I think it's the perfect location for, you know, everyone in this community to go out and see like what the impact of our consumerism actually is. I love it. I think that's great. Definitely everyone go check it out, reach out and get involved because, uh, you know, this is a great opportunity to get involved with something that maybe you care about and, um, and we're making changes. And if not, maybe they can even reach out to you and maybe we, someone is now inspired to solve the, the waste and tailgating at football games. Like that would be great. So yes. And, and sports. Well, when like big sports, we go back, come back. <laughs> yeah. That'd be, and that, yeah. Like the solutions need to happen now presenting those solutions need to have happen now. So before things come back, there's already a structure in place so that that trash does not happen as we move forward. The new normal, the yeah. new normal can be better than the old, you know, the new so, normal is single use plastic free. I love it. The new normal is single use plastic free guys. Okay. So go follow bye bye plastic on Instagram, go check it out, reach out to Priya and uh, thank you so much again for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate thank it you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This is a great conversation.